Welcome to the Empowered Patient Podcast, where we discuss real, fad-free, and research-guided information about your biggest nutrition, health, and lifestyle questions to empower you on your unique health journey. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, JD. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Empowered Patient series. And I'm so happy to be here and discussing this topic with you all today. It's one of my favorite topics and it's probably the biggest work I do with my clients. And that is working on creating a plan for lasting behavior change, especially to address the top stressors in your life. So before we go there, I just want to check in and see how last week's topic resonated with you. We talked about the idea of chronic stress and its impact on blood sugar regulation. And we even talked about some of the side effects of this chronic cortisol in our bodies and um, how that can lead to things like reactive hypoglycemia. And we might even experience things like nightmares in the middle of the night and that it's all connected. So just wanted to check in with you and see how that episode resonated with you. If you experienced any ahas, I would love to hear from you. So please keep sending your comments and um, please keep sharing with me the topics that really speak to you and resonate for you. And so we can continue to hone in on the things that you're most interested in, the things that you're working on and the things that I can continue to support you on. Okay, back to behavior change. So for most of us, for many of us, at some point in our health journey, our health practitioner is going to recommend that we reduce stress. And this is something that I've brought up in the past in that sometimes this advice isn't readily actionable. If we're stressed, most of the time we know it, but we're not really sure how to change that or even what that looks like. So first, let's back up and take a look at what we mean by stress. So last week, we went a little bit further in depth into the fight or flight response in our bodies or this cascade of events that happens when our brains perceive a threat to our survival. Evolutionarily, that was a a necessary cascade of events that helped us avoid death. Like, Being chased by a lion or a tiger or a bear is the most common sort of scenario that we hear about. But the issue with that is that today, our brains do not make the distinction between a real threat, like an oncoming car that we want to jump out of the way from, and a perceived threat, like replaying a stressful conversation in our minds or thinking about an impending deadline or presentation that we're going to give and envisioning it going terribly. The same cascade happens in our body regardless of whether that event is real or we're just perceiving it in our minds. And so that is the the response that's enacted and it's enacted from a number of different categories of stress. So for example, we can have physical stress and that might mean experiencing food sensitivities or intolerances, yet we continue to consume them, or foods that can send our blood sugar on a roller coaster like we talked about last week. That can include things like consuming a lot of caffeine throughout the day, consuming a lot of refined and processed foods, especially refined sugars. 
So those can be physical stressors as can being exposed to toxins in the air, breathing things in, in our homes, in our work environments, in our commutes, using toxic beauty products and body care products. All of these things can be physical stressors as can sitting in a car for many hours without moving or stretching or sitting at a desk in the exact same position all day without moving and stressing, stretching our bodies. These are physical stressors, but our, our stressors are more than just physical. So we can have emotional stressors. Perhaps we have a relationship that feels rather tense with our boss or with the coworker, or maybe at home things aren't jiving quite right or as synchronously as we would like them to. Those can be emotional stressors. Finances can be an emotional stressor. Um, and then we have mental stressors. And mental stress is really created by the way that we think about or relate to these other forms of stress. So maybe we sit there and ruminate about finances all day, or we sit there and ruminate about um, a conversation that we had with somebody that didn't go like we would like it to, or we ruminate about our worst fears coming true. We ruminate about a symptom that we're experiencing in our bodies and project worst case scenarios. These are all mental stressors. And then I would expand this definition of stress to even include spiritual stressors. And those can be just daily habits or patterns in our lives that are in strong misalignment with our core beliefs and values and view of the world. So it's a broad definition that it includes every aspect of our lives. The good news is that these responses and these habits are not set in stone. We can change them. We can change the physical habits and often that's where people start because they can be the most tangible, but we can also make changes in our emotional stressors. We can either leave the situation, we can change the way that we relate to the situation, or we can change our approach to that situation. We can change our thoughts. We can change the way that we think about things. And that can change the cascade of the fight or flight response. And then we can also try to, as best as we can, align our lives and align the way that we spend our energy and our resources to sync up with our core values and our beliefs and our worldview. So how do we do that? Well, first, let's just talk a little bit about um, neurochemistry and the way that our brains work. So for most of us, if you're watching this video, you've been alive long enough to create some patterns, some habits in your mind, things that you've done repeatedly that now can go on autopilot, like maybe your route to work or maybe brushing your teeth or the way that you take a shower. Maybe it's the same every single day so that you don't even think about it anymore. And these are sort of defaults. This is actually important for us because if we had to bring conscious, effortful attention to everything we do in our lives, we'd get exhausted pretty quickly. So our body is adapted to go to autopilot when we do things repeatedly. But we do have to become aware of them if we want to change habits, if we want to change behaviors. So the first step would be creating awareness of that thing that's causing stress, noticing when it comes up, um, the frequency of it, sort of the location that it tends to happen in or the situations that it tends to happen in most often. So first we just create awareness. Next, I would ask you to consider what have you tried? Have you tried making these changes in the past? 
what has worked for you? What didn't work so well? And why didn't it work at that time? Would it work now, given your, your new set of circumstances or your spaciousness or greater awareness? So just reviewing those things as well. And then asking yourself the question, how would you like to respond in this situation? What's your ideal sort of response? How would you like to feel? How would you like to communicate? How would you like to move through this stressor with greater ease and grace? And then how can you create a plan to make that happen? Because the most, most, most important thing is showing up consistently to make that change. And here's why. This is a an analogy to um, neural plasticity that I really like. And so it has to do with sledding. So if you've never seen snow, this might not work so well for you, but I think you can get the, the gist. So if you've ever lived in a place where there's fresh snow and you're gonna go sledding, you know that you walk to the top of the hill with your sled and the first time down, you can't see what's beneath the surface. You can't see if there's rocks or uneven ground or chunks of ice. So there may, it may be a bumpy ride, right? You might get jostled around, you may get thrown off your path and you have to get off the sled and move it back onto the path and move it down. And eventually you make your way to the bottom of the hill. And maybe it wasn't the fastest, it wasn't the smoothest ride, it wasn't the easiest, but you, you got there. And you can turn around and look back and you can see a path starting to form in the snow. You walk back up the hill, you go down the path a second time and it's a little less bumpy, a little less rocky. Maybe you physically picked up a rock or a chunk of ice and moved it out of the way so that it could move more smoothly. And after you do it a few times, there's a groove that starts to form and you can sled down more quickly with greater ease, with less bumpy and shakiness. Our brains really work the same way with habit change. So the way that we do things now is probably pretty deeply ingrained. There's a strong groove and we go there almost automatically without thinking about it. We respond in that way with a snap of a finger. We can change that by clearly defining the way that we want to respond and then when the situation presents itself by responding in that way. However, it's going to feel clunky at first. It's going to feel more effortful. We may notice the automatic response come in first, and then we have to pause, take a beat, and then respond the way that we would like to respond. Eventually, if we stay with it, if we show up with enough frequency, with enough consistency, and with a continual intention to make this change, that groove, that pathway will start to form in the brain and it can become our new normal. It can become our default patterning. But it just takes time and consistency. So what I'd like to share with you today is an activity that you can do now or you can set aside time to do later that will help you get very clear on all these different stressors in your life right now prioritizing the top ones, and then creating an action plan for that very top stressor. So I'm gonna walk you through it now, and if you have the time, I encourage you to follow along with it. So get out a piece of paper and a pen, and create a quadrant. So just draw a nice vertical line down the middle, and then another horizontal line across the middle there. And so you've got four quadrants. Label one physical, one emotional, one mental, and one spiritual. And then just give yourself some space and time 
to write down your top three stressors in each category. So physically, maybe it's not getting high quality sleep, maybe eating a lot of sugar recently, maybe being a little bit more sedentary, or maybe over-exercising or under-eating. Whatever feels present for you, write those top three down. Do the same thing in each category. So emotionally, what feels the most stressful for you right now? What's constantly on your mind and activating that fight or flight response? Mentally, what do you find the mind rising with as far as thoughts go? What sort of thoughts are coming up that are triggering that fight or flight response? Is it thoughts about failing? Is it thoughts about not having enough? Is it thoughts about controversy or conflict with others? Write those things down. And then spiritually with your top three, what feels in misalignment with your core values, beliefs, and worldview? Once you've got the top three in each category, I want you to circle your top stressor. So you'll have four circled. Then write those four down and just take a moment to feel entered or a few moments or as much time as you can give yourself. Which one feels most pressing to address first? Once you've chosen it, then go ahead and go through the questions that I asked you earlier, which is clearly define that stressor first. When does it show up? What does it look like? What does it feel like in your body? What sort of thoughts do you experience? And what's the aftermath? How do you feel afterward? Do you feel exhausted or run down or angry or sad? Write a very clear picture of this stressor. Next, write down if you've tried to change this and the things that you've tried, the strategies you've tried. Write down what seems to work and what seems to not work so well for you and get creative as to, or at least curious as to why. Why didn't it work for you? Why did it work for you? And would it work for you now? Again, then write down how you would love to respond in this situation. The trigger presents itself. How would you love to respond? How would you love to feel through that? What are the words you would like to articulate through that? How would you like to feel afterward? Get very clear on that vision. And then ask yourself, how can I start implementing this into my daily life right now? And I will tell you from experience of applying this in my own life and working with clients, it does not have to be some big, huge, grand scale change. You may even want to take this top stressor and break it down into chunks and just address one chunk at a time. What's most important is that you are consistently taking action or drawing energy into this thing, giving it life, breathing life into it, so that that neural pathway in the brain can begin to form and develop a groove that can compete against your default response of stress. Does that make sense? I hope so, and I'm linking the guide to this in the comments below, so if you'd like a visual or to be able to read this as you go, that's there for you. And really, honestly, that's it. It's simple, but not always easy to do. In this pill for every ill society, it can be easier to just ask for somebody to take care of it for you. Let me just take this medication and it'll take care of my symptoms until other symptoms pop up, right? Because we're not addressing the root cause. So that's something I would ask you to consider is what's getting in the way of you taking action? Because when it comes to not feeling well, it gets old pretty fast. The pain gets old pretty fast. The symptoms get old pretty fast. 
and the uncertainty can feel pretty scary. And so sometimes that can lead us down this path of feeling like a helpless victim to our circumstances. And when we're there, when we have a label, sometimes we can begin to abuse it. Not always, but sometimes certain perks come with not feeling well. We can maybe take the day off of work. We can ask for help around the house. We get love, affection, pity, approval from others that we might not otherwise get if we didn't have this thing going on. So just get really honest with yourself there. What are you getting out of being able to call on this thing, to use this label for you? What's it getting you currently? And please do this with as much gentleness and compassion as you can. And then ask yourself, is there another way to derive these things? Can I ask for help around the house even if I feel amazing? Can I say no to this thing that I don't want to do and be honest about it? Can I slow down? Can I move at a slower pace just because that is what allows for my optimal health to unfold without having this illness, without needing to feel this way? And this is big, big work. It really gets, as you can see, into the deep levels of being authentic, being honest, having challenging conversations, asking for the support that we need. So this is some of the biggest work that we do in life. And I really want to acknowledge and honor that. And additionally, if, if as we're going along, you're kind of getting into the weeds with this and you're like, oh man, there's so many stressors in my life from every category and I'm not really sure where to start or I'm not sure how to articulate this or create an action plan for this or maybe you've, you know what you need to do but you'd really just like some support in, in taking action on it. You'd like some support in having these challenging conversations, in having that talk with your boss, in transitioning out of the job that's depleting your life energy and moving into something that feels more aligned for you. And if you would like to receive that support, I would love to support you. This is some of my most passionate work. It's the work that I love to help people do. And currently I have one spot open in my private coaching practice. So if it feels aligned for you, if you're, you're viewing this video and going along with this exercise and it's feeling really synchronous, please just reach out and schedule a free 30 minute discovery call. We'll just spend the 30 minutes going over what's currently going on in your life and if we might be great partners for this next step in your health journey. That's it. No pressure. Okay. Take a deep breath. How are you feeling? Do plans like this, step-by-step -step action steps, work well for you? What would you like to receive support on? And what other topics would you like to hear us talk about on The Empowered Patient? These are all things I would love to hear from you. And if this video really resonated with you, please like, comment below what's working for you, and subscribe to the channel so we can keep sharing this information together. And I will see you next week. Bye for now. That's the end of this episode. Continue to stay informed and empowered by subscribing to the show and please rate it on iTunes. Stay connected with JD by following her on Instagram and Facebook and visit jdangleswellness.com to receive regular messages and free gifts from JD and to stay up to date on all empowered patient happenings.